0: Amen. Were you excited about what God's doing in your life? Are you ready to talk about how blessed you are? Amen? All right. So when I say three, everybody say, I am blessed. One, two, three. Amen, amen. Open up your Bibles this morning to Numbers chapter 6, verse number 24. And this is going to be our theme verse of scripture throughout this whole series called Blessed Generation. I believe that the power of God wants to rest upon this generation. Numbers chapter number 6 and verse number 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so shall I put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. And I want to encourage you as we go through these scriptures on the blessing of God, and as you're standing in the blessing of God, and as the blessing of God is coming up on your life like never before, it will dramatically transform the way you read scripture if you will start putting you in the term where it always says you. but when you say the Lord bless Joel and keep Joel instead of the Lord bless you, because I don't want just you to be blessed, I want me to be blessed too. So it helps as you personalize the scripture because you are declaring it about you or me when I begin to say the Lord bless me and keep me and make his face shine brightly upon me and give me peace, I say it about you all the time, amen? But I want you to walk in the blessing of God, so I want you to begin to declare it over your life, because that is what God has said about you. And now our other verse of scripture that we use, it says, praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, blessed me in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And as we learned last week, and we spent some time on this, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And some of you guys are thinking, that's great, Joel, that those blessings are in heavenly places. But if you have not noticed, I am sitting right here in TWBC on this earth. I don't feel like I'm in a heavenly place. What you feel really doesn't matter because what God said about you is what matters. Now he said the blessings are in heavenly places, but this is what he said about you. Even when you were dead in your transgressions or your trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if the blessings are in heavenly places and you're seated in heavenly places according to the word of God, do you have access to the blessing? On the count of three, give me a yes. One, two, three. All right, I want to make sure you had that this morning. I want you to make sure that you know the blessing of God is accessible in your life. But if you're not accessing the blessing of God, it's completely upon you. You know, as we begin to access the blessing of God, if we're going to shine brighter and shine farther and accomplish what God's called this church to accomplish, we're going to need the blessing of God on our life. We're going to need the blessing of God on our kids' lives. And so we need to find out what the blessing of God is and what the blessing of God is entails and so as we begin today's message the title of this morning's message is multiplicity if you have ever needed to multiply yourself you needed more than one of you just raise your hand real high See, the fact of the matter is many people go through their life and say, oh my goodness, I just do not have enough time. I just do not have enough energy. I just do not have enough strength. I just do not have enough money. I just do not have, I do not have, I do not have. And you walking in lack is proving that you're missing out on part of the blessing. And if you're walking in lack in any area of your life, such as your marriage life or your academic life or some area of your life, you are proving that you need the blessing of God on your life. Some of us, we need to understand that we need to be motivated. In Genesis chapter number one, verse number 22, this is the very first time the word blessed is ever mentioned. And I'm big on the theology of first, the first time something is ever mentioned, you need to find out what directly follows that because it sets a precedence of what is gonna take place through the rest of scripture concerning that term. The first time church is ever used in the Bible is in the New Testament when Jesus is talking to Peter about building the church and he said, upon this rock I'll build my church. It's the first time church is ever mentioned in the Bible. Directly what follows that is the definition of what church should be. See, the definition of church is simply this when jesus said upon this rock i'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it what jesus is saying is he's about to institute something so powerful something so great something so awesome that the gates of hell the hordes of hell and everything that goes along with hell cannot prevail against it and listen you're part of the church Now, you ought to get excited about that because if you are part of the church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it, that means your marriage has the opportunity to be blessed this morning. That means your kids have the opportunity to be blessed this morning. Your business has the opportunity to be blessed. Your life, your livelihood, your academic life, your professional life, whatever life you may be entailing this morning, has the ability to walk in the blessing of God because the Bible said the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. And if they can't prevail against it, that means we're missing out on something of God. I want you to understand the first time the word blessed is ever mentioned is when the Bible says, and God blessed them saying. So how did the blessing of God come? By what he said about you. And God blessed them saying, the first word was be fruitful. We talked about that last week. The word fruitful also doesn't mean just childbearing. It means to be productive. I hope y'all had a productive week this week. If the blessing of God is going to rest upon your life, he's given you the ability to be productive. Now, how many of you know if you are in a great productive life and God can multiply that productivity, you are exponentially effective. So God wants you to get productive, not just busy. He wants you to get productive so then he can multiply you or your efforts and have exponential productivity in your life. So what we're going to learn about this morning is the blessing part of multiplicity where God cannot just multiply you. He's not going to find five more Sherry's walking around. Amen. If we're going to be multiplied in our efforts of productivity to become exponential, we talked about blessing last week and we said this about the word blessing. A true blessing, it's not a blessing if you just get it and are unable to sustain it. A true blessing is something God gives you, but also it is what you're able to sustain through it. As we begin to multiply and become productive and God begins to multiply our efforts and where we go, he's gonna give you the ability to sustain not just productivity, but multiplied productivity. Y'all are already doing more for the kingdom of God than you ever imagined. Because you're just thinking about what you as an individual can do. What you as an individual can do is great. But when Miss Carol becomes productive and fruitful, not just busy, God says, I see something that I wanna multiply. And so now Miss Carol, can do exponentially more than she ever could do on her own because she's shown herself faithful in the first step of the blessing. And so God begins to multiply the next step of the blessing. So if we're going to begin to walk in the blessing part of multiplicity, where God says, be fruitful and multiply. And then he goes on to the other parts and says, and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. We'll go over those over the next three weeks. We need to begin to walk in the blessing of multiplicity. Have you guys ever seen an acorn? But have you ever noticed the thing about an acorn? It's about that big. Not too huge, but have you ever looked at all the massive oak trees that there are in Northeast Texas? Have you ever seen how many leaves they have? Have you ever wondered how deep their roots go? Have you ever wondered how many years that they've been around? Have you ever wondered how can something that huge come out of something so small? It is because of the blessing of being able to multiply. Did you ever realize all the oak that that tree will ever need is contained in that seed? Did you ever realize every leaf that that tree will ever produce is already contained in that seed? Did you ever realize Every acorn that that tree would produce is already contained in that little bitty seed. Did you ever realize everything God has already called you to do has been planted in your life upon your creation in Christ Jesus? Amen. Everything that you're ever going to do is already on the inside of you. God's just ready for you to be fruitful or productive so he can multiply you. And so as God is wanting you to be fruitful and productive and multiply you, he's wanting you to sustain and be able to walk through it even in the worst of times. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered how this massive oak tree will keep producing even in the worst of droughts and not fail? Have you ever wondered how this massive oak tree will keep producing in the middle of the worst seasons and the worst years that this century has ever seen? Have you ever wondered why a tree will keep producing in the worst of devastation, and a human or a Christian will shrivel up and die because trees don't have mouths. They do not have the ability to argue with God. When devastation comes to a tree, it can't say, God, I don't believe you're going to come through with your promise. It's just got to sit there and keep producing because it can't talk back to God. But you, when devastation comes, when drought comes, when severity of weather comes in your life, no matter what part of it is, whether it be professional or academic, whether it be your marriage or with your kids, whether it be with your family or extended family, whether it be in the church or whether it be outside the church, when tough times come, usually the body of Christ saying oh God where'd you go I can't believe you just didn't come through oh Jesus I just I don't even know if you're here anymore when God said all along you're supposed to be fruitful and multiply and instead of saying what God said about you you start saying how you feel pastor I just don't feel like my marriage is gonna work well quit feeling it because your feelings are accentuated by what you say did you ever remember the day you first fell in love whether it's puppy love for the first time Or it was the love of your life that you married and are still with, amen? Did you ever know how the feelings welled up on the inside of you? And what's the first thing you wanna do? You wanted to say something. You start getting this feeling of love and and the first thing you wanna do is you want to say something. You wanted to say how you felt. The same that was happening in the most blissful moment of your life, the same thing happens in the worst devastating moments of your life. In the most devastating moments of your life, when life is the toughest, when times are the hardest, here's what you say, oh God, I just don't feel like I can do it anymore. And you're opening the door for unfruitfulness and unproductivity to come in your life, which God will not want to multiply. Just as your feelings of good, you spoke good, your feelings of bad, you spoke bad, you don't act on the power of God in your life. The problem is, when the worst weather comes, you need to start declaring what God said about you. When the toughest times come, you need to start saying, I'm an overcomer, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. When the things are not going right, and there's a lot of times, it seems more often than not, things are going more wrong than right, what are you saying out of your mouth? See, the reason trees remain fruitful is because they can't argue with what God said. They cannot argue with it. The reason why people don't remain fruitful is because you have a free will to argue with the blessing of God. We're going to talk about some of those things here this morning, arguing with with the blessing of God, and so as you are, remember this, a seed, and on the inside of you is everything you're ever gonna need in life to accomplish what you're gonna accomplish, even though you don't see how it can be accomplished. That's not your problem. You just need to plug in and stay there. I want to read to you this parable right quick out of Mark chapter number four and verse number 13. And Jesus said unto him, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Not just any parable, all the parables. The sower sows the word and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, listen, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Everybody say number one, Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Ones are sown on rocky ground and the the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and because they have no root in themselves they endure for a while then when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word immediately they fall away and the others were the ones sown among the thorns and those who hear the word but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word and it proves to be unfruitful or unproductive but those who are sown on good soil are the ones who hear and accept and they bear fruit 30 60 and 100 fold I want you to understand something as we begin. We started out with these three main points that we're not gonna go back on. The blessing of God is not things, but it is always what God has said. The blessing of God is not a license to live recklessly, but a lifestyle of discipline. The blessing of God is not something that magically appears, but it is something that enables you and empowers you. This morning, I am a sower. I am sowing the word of God on the inside of you. I am sowing the word of God into Brother Norman and Miss Donna's life. I am sowing the word of God into Miss Sheila's life, into Daniel's life, and I'm sowing the word of God into Jerry and Ginger's life and I'm sowing the word of God into Crystal's life and into Matt Brown's life and I'm sowing the word of God into the whole youth section over here and I'm sowing the word of God into the lives of people in this church. Some of you are going to be the rocky soil and y'all are thinking, oh no, not me. Some of you are going to be the soil that Satan comes and takes the seed out of. Some of you are going to be the ones who get the seed choked out by the cares of life. And some of you are going to take, plant what is said, and God's going to use you and multiply you exponentially. The sower doesn't sow things, he sows the word. So when you give your tithes and your offerings this morning, you don't sow money, you sow the word. And you do the offering as an act of obedience. You bring the tithe as an act of obedience. As you begin to do things in life, if I do a nice sweet gesture from my wife expecting the blessing of God to come. I don't sow a nice neat gesture. I sow the word of God as I give her something to multiply the blessing. And in the blessing of God, the Bible says the sower sows the word, but when he sows the word, some fell on the path and Satan comes and he takes the word and he does away with it. And so that it is unfruitful. Some of you will not even make it to the restaurant before you do not have the word that I've sown this morning. Not because you're hungry, but because of this main thing, a spirit of offense." I'm fixing to tell you the ways that the devil stops the blessing of God in your life of multiplication. Listen, these are the things that hinder the body of Christ the most. The Word of God says, the sower sows the Word of God. Satan immediately comes and takes away the Word that was sown in them. And if some of you will not even make it to the restaurant before the Word of God is stolen from you, what happens? See, throughout the rest of this message, you're going to have several opportunities to get offended. Because that's what you're saying when you say, pastor, my toes hurt. It means I hit a nerve. I offended you in some way. Now, how you receive the Word of God is up on you not on me (laughs) because you know what I spoke was truth and if you don't think it's truth let's make an appointment let's sit down in my office let's discuss it in the word of God the Bible says Satan immediately comes and takes the word away some of you are going to leave here and you're not even going to get out of the parking lot and somebody's going to cut you off (laughs) and you're going to say a bunch of words that you don't need to say because you are so easily offended and in your easily offendedness Satan comes and takes the word the Bible says when somebody curses you Jesus said bless them What? You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know. You're right. I don't know any of it, and I don't want to know any of it. It's between you and God to begin to bless, but if the church will ever get past a spirit of offense where we quit getting offended, you know why? Most people up and leave a church one Sunday because they were offended at something that was said, at something that was done, at the way somebody treated their kids, at the way somebody didn't say hi to them, at the way a preacher, because there's 500 people in here on any given Sunday morning, over a thousand that come here through a month did not remember your name and people get offended. And at the moment an offense take place, you have the option to go back to the seed of the word of God that was sown or to start sowing your own seed, to start sowing your own vocabulary words into a situation, to start sowing your own vocabulary words into not somebody else, into yourself. Here's the problem that most people don't realize. When you start sowing things, you're sowing into yourself. You're sowing into your own life. If my wife were to make me mad and I were to go off and start sowing a bunch of words, I'm not sowing them into her, I'm sowing them into me. And because the spirit of offense took place, I'm going to have a bunch of junk start growing because of the words I've sown. And the next time she makes me mad, it's not just sown, but it's sown exponentially. If I offend her or she offends me, we have the option to take the offense and sow it as a seed, or to retaliate with another bad seed, or to stand on the word of God. In your life, Satan works mostly by offenses. He works mostly by trying to sow discord in the body of Christ. He works mainly to divide the house of God, whether it be you don't like the worship music, whether it be it was too light or it was too dark, whether it be I don't like it when you do baptisms at the beginning of the service, whether it be I don't like the way you talk too fast, whether it be all these things, The only thing the devil wants to do is to take that seed. If I can get Miss Charlotte's mind off of what Joel's saying, she won't have that seed. If I can get Aaron and Megan's mind off of what Joel said, because maybe he read their mail, and oh, he was speaking just to us, and they're offended. If I can get their mind off of the blessing and on being offended, then they won't receive the blessing of God and God has nothing to multiply. All I need to do, the devil says, is to take that seed away and there's nothing God can multiply. If you hang on to the seed, God can bring exponential multiplication into your life. This is exactly the reason we have an altar call at the end of every service. This is exactly the reason we have an opportunity at the end of service, every single one, for you to come and get your life right and get your seed right for this reason. We don't want you leaving here without the seed being sown. And I can throw seed out there all day long and it can fall all over the place but until you plant it in your life through the actions you take, God cannot begin to multiply and bless. The first thing that steals the seed is Satan and it comes and the main way he comes is through a spirit of offense. The next thing the Bible says, the ones sown on rocky soil, the ones who when they hear the word of God immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves but they endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately they fall away. The people you hang out with, the circles you run in, and those you associate with will determine and have an effect and influence the outcome of your life. The people you hang out with, the people you associate with, the circles you run in, they will have a direct influence on the outcome of your life. Some of the best people God ever chose in the Bible, the first thing he told them to do was get away from your friends and your family. He called Abram. Later he changed his name to Abraham. Get up, Leave your family, your whole household, get away. Some of you, the rocky soil in your life is your boneheaded friends. And I mean boneheaded friends because every time you decide to do something right, they decide to say it's wrong. And every time you decide to take a stand on the word of God, they say, ah, that's not important, come party with us. Every time you decide to take a stand on the word of God for your marriage, they say, ah, it's not important, come hang out with the boys. Every time you decide to take a stand for your marriage, they say, ah, that's not important, come have gossip day with the girls. Oh, that's not important, let's go do this instead. Some of the most important, important things you can do in your life is to get away from the people you're around. Some of the greatest decisions you can ever make are to get new friends. And I'm not saying get new family because you're kind of hooked and tied to them, but limit the influence of your ungodly family members. Because the Bible says the seed withers and die because you don't have any root within yourself. Not that they're bad, horrible people, not that they're the worst things in the world, but because you don't have root, they're going to kill your crop. So the best thing you can do is for you to get some roots and you can't get roots on rocky soil. The greatest thing you could do is start hanging out with church people. The thing that steals this seed the most, the one that's sown on rocky soil, is this. It's called a spirit of religion. A spirit of religion is this. Using the word of God to defend something ungodly. It's using the word of God to defend something that's ungodly. Satan did it when Jesus was in the wilderness. He brought to Jesus, the son of God, the word of God. And listen, somebody said, well, Satan always twists the scriptures. No, he didn't. He brought it directly to Jesus. So a spirit of religion will use the scriptures to try to defend something that's ungodly. Now some of you are battling the spirit of religion right now because the minute I said get away from your ungodly heather and friends You said well, jesus was a friend of sinners and jesus hung out with the sinners and jesus and jesus and jesus Listen, you ain't been spiritual in six months. Now. You got time to quote scripture all day to me I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to get you in the blessing. I'm not trying to stop you. I'm trying to propel you to greatness. I'm not trying to hold you back. I'm trying to launch you into a kingdom lifestyle. I'm not trying to stop you. I'm trying to get you where God has called you to be so you can be productive and then he can multiply your efforts. So then once you got root within yourselves, your ungodly, heathen and friends, you can go lead him to Jesus and bring him to church. But until you get in the blessing and until you drop the spirit of religion of your life and you say, God, I really need you. I really can't do this without you. God, I really need your word in my life. And I really need to quit hanging around some of these people who are pulling me away from where you've called me to be when I started the church I had so many people that said they were my friends who the minute I started a church I never heard from never saw again and the ones that did hang around they didn't have nothing good to say about it all they said is you did what You mean you're quitting that job with all the benefits? If I had to do it over again and I was you, Joel, I wouldn't have never done it. And I get this religious spirit that begins to just rise up against me. When you begin to take a step of faith, every person in the world who's got a spirit of religion will tell you why it's wrong according to scripture. But when the word of God says, you need to do this to walk in the blessing of God, guess what you need to do? You need to do this to walk in the blessing of God. If you want your marriage to be blessed, the Bible says what God has joined together. Don't let any man put it asunder. That means guard it. Fight for it. The Bible says train up a child in the way they should go and when they get old they won't depart from it. Oh well, I'm just entrusting my children to Jesus. Not if you're not reading the word of God to them. Not if you're not praying over them. Not if you're not telling them that they're an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Not if you're not telling them all the things that God said about them. Then you're, if you're not telling them what God said about them the world sure is. And it's not what God said it's what they think about them. At the turn of the century in the year 2000 the number one shirt in America said "lose." The number one shirt in Japan said, we're number one. Did you notice the way the two cultures went? What you do not sow into your kid's life, the world will through the culture of life. What you do not begin to tell your kids, the world will tell them, but through the worldly perspective. The word of God says this, that your kids are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has great mighty plans for them, that they'll be mighty upon this earth. Now, when is the last time you picked your baby up and said, you're going to be mighty in this land? Amen. Thank you. Jesus, I'm excited for you. And if you would show enthusiasm about your kids, the blessing of God may have a little bit more of a chance in. Their life. Do not let a spirit of religion using the word of God to defend an ungodly point of view stop you from walking in the blessing of God. Don't let it stop you from being who God has called you to become. Don't let it hold you back from the blessing of God and everything He said about you. And if you're a young person in here, whether you're youth age or whether you're just freshly into college or maybe you're a single adult, how should you begin to live your life according to the blessing? You are in a magnificent place. You have everything going for you. Some of y'all think, if I would just get married, everything would be. Better. No, you just have marriage problems instead of single problems. You think, oh, we'd have double the income. You have double the income problems. Oh, we would have more money. You have twice as many people spending it. See, some of y'all don't realize all the blessings may double, but all the problems double too. So if you are a youth in here or you are a single person in here, you have every opportunity to set yourself on the course for the blessing of God, unlike any other. You have every opportunity to jump out there. Why? Because you don't have to get into agreement with a spouse, you don't have to get into agreement with anybody else. But you guys get to rock the world. And we're over here trying to keep a family together and struggling to get into the blessing. You're single. You have nobody dictating you. You can get up in the morning. You can turn on the shower. You can start singing, this is the day the Lord has made. And ain't nobody gonna tell you to hush. You can go around the house quoting scripture, chapter and verse. See, some of you want to bust loose in your Christian life, but you can't. Now you're blaming your spouse. (laughs) See, that's also a spirit of religion using the scripture for an ungodly point of view. There is nothing holding you back from the blessing of God. You got to learn to jump out in it. Now the next one that the Bible says is this. It says, and others were sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke out the word. Notice everything that these things are killing. They're killing the word. They're not killing the money flow. They're not killing houses. They're not killing yards. They're not killing careers. They're killing the word. Everything the devil tries to stop is the word. And that's why we gotta know what Jesus said. And it says they enter in and choke out the word and it proves to be unfruitful. It didn't say it proves to not multiply. It goes back to last week's message. It proves to be non-productive, So it doesn't even have the chance to multiply. Now listen to what the Bible says about thorns. This is kind of unique. Thorns are always things that we let into our life that God tells us to drive out, that God tells us to get rid of, that God tells us to do away with. So those things that you're just sitting here praying, oh God, I just pray that you would take it away. God's telling you to get up and kick it out your life. You're the master of your life. If Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, when he's your Lord, that means you do exactly what he tells you to do. And if Jesus says quit doing this, you kick it out your life. So listen to these definitions of what thorns and when thorns are mentioned in the Bible. Moses said this in Numbers 33, 35. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, they shall come to pass that those who you let remain, they shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side and shall vex you in the land and where you are to dwell. Thorns are this, things that you let in your life that every time you try to walk in the blessing it's going to stab you in the side. Do you ever wonder what Paul's thorn in his flesh was? And nobody really knows, but I've come to the conclusion that after reading all these definitions, it's referring to probably people. And I'll explain that point of view here in just a minute. Moses said, if you do not drive out the junk in your life, start getting rid of the things that you know is bad. Don't try and justify it with scripture, with the spirit of religion. Start getting rid of the things you know are bad. If you don't, they're going to be a hindrance to the blessing all of your life. Now you have Moses. Can everybody agree Moses is a pretty important person in the Bible? The next person is Joshua. In Joshua 23, 11, he says, know for certainty that the Lord your God will no longer, Drive out any of the nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish off this good land which the Lord your God has given unto you. It says God's not gonna do the work of it anymore. God has empowered you to do the work. God has empowered you to live in the blessing. God has empowered you to walk in strength and might like never before. And he said, in this land, if you don't quit doing those things, there are gonna be scourges in on you. There'll be thorns in your eyes. How many of you know Joshua was a great leader? An angel of the Lord speaks and judges. Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. God said in the Ten Commandments, You shall have no other gods before me. Well, Pastor, that's Old Testament. God said in the New Testament, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the same commandment. Because he said, Upon these two hang all the laws and all the prophets and everything that they said. In this, an angel of the Lord says, if you don't get rid of them, they're going to be snares unto you. They're going to be thorns in your eyes. And in 2 Samuel 23, 6, he said, The sons of Belial shall all of them be as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. This means this is a spiritual matter, not a physical one. Now, just as the blessing of God is in heavenly places, just as you are seated in heavenly places, the spiritual battle is in heavenly places because the Bible says we do not battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against every ruler and principality and all those things of the evil forces in the heavenly realms. If you're going to start doing this, you got to make a spiritual decision decision. before you ever make a physical one. You cannot say, I'm going to quit drinking, throw all the alcohol out of your house, and it worked. Not unless a spiritual decision is made. You cannot throw the drugs out, the cigarettes out, the nicotine out, and say, I'm just going to quit. Not until a spiritual decision is made. you got to start adjusting your spiritual life, and God wants to build your spiritual life up, and so you can make a good, godly, quality decision that your physical life can follow. Even Jesus talks about thorns, and he says, the ones who received the seed fell among the thorns, and the man who hears the word, but the worries of life and the decision deceitfulness of wealth, choke it out, making it unfruitful. The thing that chokes out the seed of God is called iniquities of the heart. There's two things. You have sin and you have iniquity. Iniquity is motives of the heart. Sin is the action of the hand. You will never have an action of the hand without an inward motive of the heart. And where does people come in on this? The Bible says in Romans 8 that who shall separate us from the wonderful love of Christ? The Bible goes then on to say shall famine, shall persecution, shall all these things separate us. Who shall separate us? It doesn't say what. Many Christians quote what shall separate us from the love of Christ. Every Bible that there is in print says who. And who shall separate Separated from the wonderful love of Christ. See, you will not have a motive of iniquity in your heart without a who planting a seed of it first. If you have the iniquity of lust in your heart, which leads to the outward sin or actions of lust, whatever that may be. It happened because some person in your life introduced you to something immoral. If you have bitterness it's because somebody did something to you you didn't get rid of the spirit of offense and you became bitter. Not better, bitter. And so in your life if you want to get to the point where the blessing of God rests on your life you need to start dealing with the inward motives of your heart. The inward motives of the heart some of you are wanting a financial blessing in your life and you sow a tithe or an offering so you can get money back. No, the motive of the heart needs I am giving to bless not giving to get. I'm giving to bless the kingdom of God. And something very awesome that I found out this week and through my studies is the word of God never says to give the tithe. It always says to bring the tithe because you cannot give something that's not yours. The tithe automatically belongs to God. So God says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, give an offering. But many people, they don't bring a tithe and they don't give an offering because number one, they think God just wants their money or the church does. (laughs) And so you defend an ungodly position with the scripture saying, well, if God already owns everything, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Why does he need my money. Spirit of religion popping back up. Do you understand how all these kind of intertwine together and one leads to the next, leads to the next, and you wonder why you're not fruitful. And then you really wonder why you're not productive. And then you wonder why God's not multiplying your efforts. The seed that was sown on good soil produced 30, 60, and 100 fold return in Jesus name. The seed that's sown on good soil. I want you to start thinking of your life and you qualify if you're good soil or not. Many people, they sit here in the United States and say, oh God, I know I'm good soil because I'm an American. God's trying to get you to become good soil so that you can produce 30, 60, and 100 fold return. God's trying to get you to the place where you don't let an offense come in at this message and so the Satan can't come to steal your seed. God's trying to get you to the place where you begin to look at your life and you start pulling out the rocks, the hard-headed people in your life, that you start pulling out the things that are hindering the seed from planting and going deep because the Bible says that they in of themselves had no root. You can't blame your friends for you not being productive. You can't blame your family for you not being fruitful. See the Bible says start picking rocks and getting them out. Don't throw them at people, throw them out of your life. He goes on to say, you got thorns in your life. What are the things that are in your life that you know that God's been working on you to get rid of, but you just can't, or you just couldn't, or you just didn't, or you just haven't? See, those are the things that choke out one. And he goes on to clarify what one of those things might be, the deceitfulness of wealth. See, we live in the American culture. The American culture is, if you get it, get it big. And if you get it big, it's got to be bigger than your neighbors. And if it's not bigger than your neighbors, you're not good enough. You're not doing enough. You don't compare. You don't measure up. When in fact, that's exact opposite of what the Word of God says. Don't let the thorns of this life begin to choke out the Seed. See, I pray that the precious seed that you've got, you'll hold it in a place in your life and you'll hold on to it and you'll say, God, I need to plant this seed of your word. I need to plant it somewhere where it's good soil. God, if there be any good soil in my life, God, if there is any good soil in my life, show me where it is so I can plant this seed. See, a lot of us say, well, there's no bad soil. No, the fact of the matter is, is there any good soil? You need to find that good soil and say, God, this is where my heart is pure. This is where my motives are pure. This is where my life is pure. And God, I pray that that word be planted in in that good soil. Now, God, let me start reevaluating the rest of the soil around my life so I can start getting rid of those things that are going to hinder the good seed that I'm going to hear next week, the good seed that I'm going to get when I go home, the good seed that I'm going to get when I read your word this week, the good seed that you're going to start planting in my life. God, show me good soil. Show me where to plant it.